Well, how are we doing, Hope City Church? Good? Good to see everybody today. My name is Jason. I am the pastor here at the church. Just excited we get to be together today as we are coming to the end of this sermon series, a series of teachings we've been doing called The Goat. Uh, next week is Easter weekend where we will uh, be finishing out this series as we celebrate Jesus and the resurrection, all that next weekend, which is going to be uh, an amazing time together. But what we've been doing is reading through the book of John together, reading the stories and the teachings and the miracles of Jesus so that we would believe. So the Bible says was the purpose of the book of John is so that we would believe in Jesus, that he's God, and that he made a way for us to know God. He came he, he left heaven, came to us, died for us, and now he is the reason that we can have a relationship with God. No other way. There's no other method to get to God or get to know God or be saved. It's only through Jesus. And week after week after week, we've been reading these stories and learning that truth again. And so this is part 11 uh, of that series. And we are going to be hanging out in Matthew 26 today. Now, let me kind of explain that to you. We've been reading through the book of John, and in John 18, in John chapter 18, the very first verse of John 18 uh, says this. Let me find it for you. I just cut off my iPad. That was great. Uh, it says this. It says, after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with the disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. That's all it says in John 18.1 about what we're going to talk about today. But there are four books in the New Testament that tell us about the life of Jesus. They give us different snippets, different angles of that. And so in Matthew 26, we get a lot more details about what happened, uh, of what we're going to talk about, than John 18 gives us. And so as it goes with John, we're kind of in John 18, but we're going to go over to Matthew 26. There's a Bible uh, in the seat in front of you, under the seat in front of you. You can grab that and, um, and find that. Grab your sermon guide. There's page numbers on there. We'd love for you to, to read along. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer, and my desire, my hope for you, for every person in this room, is that you would be a praying person. I want you to pray. I want you to feel like your prayer matters. I want you to feel like that your prayer is getting to God. I want you to feel like prayer makes a difference in your life. And what we're going to read today is Jesus praying on the scariest, most important night of his life. He's praying to, to God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus didn't have to pray. He chose to pray. Jesus is God. We've seen that over and over again in the book of John. Jesus is God. He said, me and God, me and the Father are one. He is totally lockstep in tune with God. He doesn't have to pray, but he chooses to pray. So why would Jesus, who doesn't have to pray, choose to pray? And why should we choose to pray? That's what we're going to see today. Uh, in this story that we're going to read in Matthew 26. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to start with verse 31. Verse 31, and, uh, and here's what it says. It says, On the way Jesus told them, to the, he's talking to the disciples, Tonight all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So this is literally, by the way, like Thursday night, 24 hours later, he's going to be crucified. So for Christians, 
It's not exactly matched up to the calendar, obviously, because Easter moves around. But for believers and Christians, we celebrate on Good Friday and recognize on Good Friday the death of Jesus. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday. So in your mind, think about the fact that this is on like late into the night on Thursday night before Good Friday, okay? And he says, tonight, all of you disciples, you're going to run, you're going to desert me. But after, verse 32, but after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Then Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. Peter had this bad habit of arguing with Jesus. No, he insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Now, we're going to keep reading, but I want to just stop and, and, and point out the reason that we read those verses is I want you to see how passionate the disciples are. I want you to see how committed the disciples are to Jesus. I'd take a bullet for you, God. I mean, I would, I would, I'll stand beside you no matter how dangerous, no matter how intimidating, no matter how awful it is. I will never abandon you. I will never leave you. They are, they are passionate about this. They're committed to this. I want you to see that because we're going to come back to it a little bit later. Let's keep reading. 36, then Jesus went with them. To the olive grove called Gethsemane, that's what John 18 told us, but now we're going to get a ton more detail. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. If you've ever felt anguished and distressed, you're like Jesus. He told them, verse 38, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Let's stop for a second and just point out again that on the most terrifying, important night of Jesus' life, he makes the choice to pray. He could have done anything. He makes the choice to pray. Why would he do that? We're going to get the answer. Keep reading. Then, verse 40, he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray. Here it is. So that, why? So that you will not give in to temptation. In my Bible, I've got those two words, give in, underlined. I think that's a great thing to underline. You will not give in to temptation, for the Spirit is willing... But the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is, is weak. Now, Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows that Judas is about to show up. He knows that he's going to be arrested. He knows that the next 24 hours is going to be insane. There's going to be violence, and there's going to be uh, you know, murder, and there's going to be beatings. And he knows what's about to happen, but the disciples have no idea what's about to happen. Jesus has been saying some things, but they're not connecting the dots. And so Jesus is praying, knowing what's coming. The disciples, not knowing what's coming, is sleeping. And I think this is a great reminder to us that we have no idea what is going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, today, when we leave this room. And sometimes we can be guilty of, all of us can be guilty of waiting to pray until we have to pray, right? 
waiting to pray after the crisis, waiting to pray after we get the bad news, but that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is prepping himself for what he's going to face by praying. Does that make sense to everybody? But the disciples aren't prepping themselves with prayer because they don't know what's about to happen. They're tired. The best thing they could do in their minds is sleep. Jesus says, no, the best thing you could do is not sleep in this instance. It's pray. Why? Because you're going to be tempted to give in. Your your spirit is willing. You're filled with great ideas. You're filled with ambition. You'll die with me. You'll take a bullet from me. You'll never deny me. That's the spirit side of you talking, and it's filled with great ideas. But your flesh, your body, your sinful side of you, it's weak. In other words, Jesus is saying to the disciples, you're weaker than you think you are, and the answer to weakness is prayer. You're weaker than you think you are, and the answer to weakness is, is prayer. Now, I'm going to read a, a few more verses. Jesus goes away again a second time. He prays another hour. He comes back. The disciples are sleeping. He goes away a third time. He prays another hour. He comes back. The disciples are sleeping. And finally, he's like, verse 47, and even as Jesus said this, he was saying, hey, that's fine. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs, we have now just, just started the trial, the murder, the crucifixion of Jesus right here. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of people. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. Verse 51, but one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us, but Mark, another gospel, tells the life of Jesus, tells us who did that. Peter did that. Peter grabbed the sword and cut off the ear. Now, this is a great, great, great example of what can happen to us when we aren't praying. This is a sign of reacting. This is a sign of someone being afraid. This is a sign of feeling like they need to do something for Jesus and defend Jesus. This is a sign that instead of being prepared to handle what's about to happen, when we have not prayed and prepared ourselves through prayer, we, we react thinking that any good idea is a God idea. But remember, Peter hadn't been praying. Peter hadn't been praying. And so he slashes a guy's ear off. I get myself into more messes when I come up with my own ideas instead of praying. That's what Peter does here. 52, put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could have asked my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? 55, then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scripture. Last line. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Let's just piece together the timeline of the night. Jesus says, by the end of the night, you're all going to desert me, abandon me, and you're all going to flee The disciples swear that's not true. No way, nuh-uh, not gonna happen. 
Jesus takes them to the garden to pray. While he's praying, they're sleeping. Jesus is arrested. Peter slashes a guy's ear off. Jesus is taken away, and the disciples abandon him. This night is an amazing example of the role that prayer plays in our life. An incredible example. Because in the middle of all this, the disciples vowing to never abandon Jesus, sleeping instead of praying, slashing people's ears off and abandoning Jesus. In the middle of all of this, Jesus makes an incredibly important statement. We read it, verse 41. Let me read it to you one more time. Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And when you see that word temptation, don't just think of, don't just think of like sex and drugs. And Jesus is saying, pray so you don't give into whatever it is you give into. Pray so you don't give into your anger. Pray so you don't give into your doubts. Pray so you don't give into the depression and the anxiety. Pray so you don't give into the impatience. Pray so that you don't give into crazy thoughts. Pray so that you don't give in to those tempting things that you're wanting to do. Pray. Why? Because Jesus tells us prayer is the answer to weakness. Prayer is the answer to weakness. We have two things going on inside of all of us at the same time. We have, we have amazing ambition, dreams, ideas, and commitments. But at the same time, we have weakness fighting to overcome all the great spiritual desires, dreams that are in our heart. And Jesus says, weakness wins out. The only way for weakness not to win out is prayer. It's prayer. We see this in the disciples. Never going to leave you, Jesus. Not praying, sleeping. See you, Jesus. Willing and weak. Willing and weak. And Jesus says, when you don't pray... You are weaker than you are willing. When you do pray, you're more willing than you are weak. Does that make sense to everybody, right? And so if I were to ask you today, how hey, should we, as Christians and believers, should we pray? Everybody in the room would say yes. Nobody's going to argue. Yes, we should pray. But if I were to ask you how many of you pray as much as you should, most of us, if not all of us, would be like, no, we're not, I'm not doing that. So we believe that prayer is something we should do. But ironically, it's something that we rarely do. We rarely do. But Jesus models for us on this night that when he could do anything, faced with the scariest, most important task of his life, he prays. He prays. Now, my desire for you is that prayer would become a central focus and theme of your life, but I understand that it has its challenges. This year, marks 20 years for me following Jesus, believing in Jesus. And for a lot of those years, many of those years, prayer was a massive struggle for me for a lot of reasons, but really because I've, I had two big misconceptions. I don't want to give those to you, but it's really only been in the last few years that I feel like prayer is making a dramatic difference in my life because of two misconceptions. The first misconception that I had about prayer is that I thought prayer was for God. I thought prayer was for God. It's not. Prayer's for me. Prayer's for you. Worship is for God. My life is lived for God. 
But prayer is not an obligation. Prayer is an opportunity. An opportunity that God gives to me because he knows that I'm weaker than I think I am. And so I used to think that I need to pray because if I don't pray, I'm disobeying God. But not praying is not disobedience. It's missed opportunity. It's missed opportunity. But the second misconception I had is I thought prayer was about asking, predominantly about asking. And I, and I want to be careful because prayer changes outcomes. Even Jesus said in other places, you have not because you ask not. Ask anything in my name. So we definitely should ask when we pray. But in my mind, prayer was predominantly asking. And so if I didn't have anything to ask for, I didn't have anything to pray for. Donald Miller, one of my favorite authors, describes it like, uh, he calls it a prayer slot machine. He says, you know, I just kept pulling the prayer lever, hoping the sevens would line up and I would get what I was asking for. But that was the extent of my prayer life. And so for me, I just would spend, you know, help me, heal me, give me an answer, asking for something in prayer. But prayer is not predominantly about asking. Prayer is predominantly about connecting, connecting with God. Jesus wanted the disciples to pray on this night because they were weaker than they thought they were. And even though they had big intentions and big hopes, Jesus knew that weakness wins more than willpower. And the only way to fight that is through prayer. Not through a form of prayer that just asks for everything you want. We get to ask. We're going to ask. Not through a form of prayer that's just this obligatory, well, I have to pray, and I'm supposed to pray this amount of minutes, so let me pray. No, prayer is, the, is how we battle weakness when it comes from a desire of, of wanting to pray and connecting to God and finding strength in, in God. So here's what I want to do for the time that we have left is I, I want to to give you, straight from this story, straight from the example of Jesus, I want to give you five habits to enjoy prayer more. Five things we see Jesus do. Five habits to enjoy prayer more because I want all of us to enjoy prayer more. I want all of us to enjoy prayer more. And if we're not enjoying prayer, what can we do to enjoy prayer more? It's on your sermon guide if you want to grab that and write these in. Five, five habits to, to enjoy prayer more. Number one, number one is we should get alone. Get alone to pray. Jesus has some friends. They have dinner. He takes three of the 12. He goes a little farther in to the garden. He leaves those three, and he goes, and he gets alone to pray. Now, there's lots of reasons why you should get alone to pray, a lot of benefits for getting alone to pray. I can only speak for me, but a few of the benefits for me to pray is it helps me not to have to worry about what other people think about my prayer. <laughs> That's a big one for me. If I'm praying out loud and you're around, I'm thinking, what does this sound like to them? That's one reason. Less distractions is another reason. The ability to calm. When I say get alone, I don't just mean from people. I mean from a cell phone, from a notification, from a ding. I think it would be amazing if you had a, a, a place to pray, a place that while you may not always get to pray in that place, that is your prayer place, and you get there. I was excited last night because I, um, 
We got the backyard set up. You know, the weather's officially turned. We got the pressure washer out and sprayed everything down and got the, the, the stuff back on top of the pergola and got the furniture set up. And, and so last night, it had been several months, but last night I got to go back out to my place, my prayer place, and just sit there with a cup of coffee and my Bible and the, the kids were in bed and I just got to be there. That's my place. And I, I hope you have a place. I want you to have a place. And yeah, you can pray in the cubicle at your office, and yeah, you can pray in the car on the way to work, and I think that prayer is great anytime you pray, but there's something about getting alone to pray in a place that you wouldn't normally go to be still in a way you wouldn't normally be still. You get alone, and that's what Jesus did. Scariest, most important night of his life, he said, I need some alone time with God, with God. But if you just got alone and that's all you did, that could be meditation, that could be a nap, right? We want to pray. So let me give you number two, five, five habits to, to enjoy prayer more. Number two is to talk to God out loud. So we're going to get alone, we're going to go to our place, we're going to get alone, but we're going to talk to God out loud. Now this gets a little bit dangerous because, you know, they put people in straight jackets who talk to invisible people. I get that. But it's worth pointing out that prayer is a supernatural experience. And so if you're unwilling to do anything out of your comfort zone when you pray, you're not going to be able to tap into the supernatural part of prayer. Well, I don't understand that, or I'm not comfortable with that, or that feels weird to me. Well, we are trying to talk to an invisible God. And so there has to be a part of this that is outside of our natural interaction. So we talk to God. We get along. We talk to God out loud. Hey, God. God, thank you for today. God, I love you. God. Like even as I'm talking right now out loud to God, some of you are like, oh, my God, this is weird. <laughs> He's like, I want to encourage you. If you want to enjoy prayer more, I'm telling you, I want to encourage you. Talk out loud to God. Well, I think it. Well, that's fine. You can think it, and God knows what you think. Well, I'll write it down. I think that's amazing. So do I. I got prayer journals. I write them down too. But there needs to be, if we want to pray like Jesus prayed, there has to be some moments when we talk out loud to God. Jesus didn't go into the garden and think to God. He prayed out loud to God. God, here I am. This night's going to get crazy, God. We need to talk. We need to talk. So I want to challenge you. I think for most of us in the room, this is going to be a big step for us to pray out loud to God. And the first few times, it's just going to feel weird. Just go ahead and own that. I'm talking to myself right now. Okay. We're going to talk to God. We're going to talk to God out loud. Let me give you another one. Number three, we're alone. Now we're talking out loud to God. What do we talk about? Number three, be honest about how you feel. Be honest about how you feel. God already knows how we feel. So by not telling him, we're not keeping it from him. But there's something about telling God out loud what you're feeling in that moment that makes you feel better in that moment. It's crazy. The more we keep things inside, the worse we feel about things. Isn't that true? 
the more we carry them and hold them with us. Jesus said, come to me. And so we get alone, and, and, we, and we talk out loud, and we talk out loud, and we say, God, I, I am I'm incredibly frustrated. God, I'm so confused right now. God, I thought I was going to get that job. I felt good about getting that job. I didn't get the job, God, and I don't understand. God, I'm supposed to find out in a couple of days about the results, and I'm having trouble sleeping because I'm just assuming it's going to be the worst, and I don't know, am I going to die? How sick am I? Am I going to get fired? I don't know, and it's all I can think about, God. Have you ever talked to God like that? Have you ever said those things out loud? You've felt them. Have you ever said them out loud to God? That's prayer. That's communicating with your heavenly Father about how you feel. And he can take whatever you need to tell him. He can take it. Like sometimes we think, well, if I really told God how I feel, like he would totally be mad at me. No, he already knows how you feel. So you just say it out loud, and you get a conversation started with God. And what do you do next? Well, we're alone, we're talking out loud, we're being honest about how we feel. This is going amazing. What do we do next? Number four, we ask for help. God, I thought I was going to get the job. I didn't get the job. I don't know why I didn't get the job. I'm very frustrated and I'm like not getting a job. God, I need a job. Can you help me get a job, God? God, I need money. Like, I don't have a job, so I'm running out of money. And so, God, if you, if you don't help me get a job, God, I'm not going to have any money. God, I need a job and I need money. Can you help me get a job that pays me money, God? You talk to God how you talk to God. I ramble. So I ramble when I pray. I start praying, and somewhere over here, I make a U-turn, and I come back around, and I get back to what it is I was going to pray about, but that whole journey is really good for me, and I don't know how I was started about praying about that thing I was scared about, and then I got over here, and I started praying about my kids in 20 years, but here I am. That's right, God. I'm praying about my fear. That's right. God, will you help me not be afraid? Because that's how I talk. I ramble. I go on rants, right? That's what I do. So that's how I pray. I call people a lot for help because I don't know how to do things, like build things and fix things. One of the people I call the time is Pastor Joe because he's good at fixing stuff. And when I call Pastor Joe, I don't say, hey, Joe, thou art wise. Joe, before I ask you for anything, I just want to take a few minutes to tell you how I feel about you. I love you. You're an amazing man. I know there have been times in the past I've let you down. Will you forgive me for those times I've let you down? No, I don't do that. I say, Joe, how do you hook up the pressure washer? Hey, I'm here with the pressure washer, Joe. How do you hook this up? We have a relationship. Joe knows how I feel about him. Joe knows that I break things. Joe knows I need help. So when he sees the phone ring on a Saturday, he knows he's breaking something, and he answers the phone, and I say, Joe, I got this. How, how does this work? Joe, I got these boards, and they're not lining up. What I do wrong? Because I have a relationship. You can talk to God like that. Joe, uh, Joe, God, God, I, (laughs) God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a parent. My kids are mad at me right now. 
I feel like I let them down. They're probably manipulating me. I feel very confused, God. Will you help me to be more patient with my manipulating kids, God? We're just talking to God. That's prayer. We're praying. That's what Jesus did. Jesus got alone. He talked out loud. He said, God, I don't want to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know humanity needs me to do this. I'm scared about it. I'm mad about it. It's going to hurt like crazy. I don't want to do this, God. This is how Jesus is talking to God. But I want to do what you want me to do, and if you'll help me, I'll do it. This is how Jesus is talking to God. Let me give you one more, last one. We get along, we talk to God out loud, we're honest about how we feel, we ask for help. One more, we keep praying. We keep praying. If we're weaker than we think we are, and prayer is the answer to weakness, then every time we need more strength, we need more prayer. So I don't pray one time three weeks ago about it. I can. Jesus said in another part, don't keep rambling and babbling on like hypocrites. He didn't mean you can't pray more times. He just meant don't be superstitious about it. Like you, you, if you only pray once, it doesn't happen. Or if you don't pray 10 minutes, it doesn't happen. He was saying don't try to make a formula out of it. But we can keep praying, right? We can keep praying. So we keep praying. The moment I stop praying, the moment I start leaking strength. So I got to go back and I got to pray to God. God, last time I got done praying, I wasn't anxious anymore. But I just got another text. I just got another email. And I'm feeling pretty freaked out right now. And as I am talking to God supernaturally, he is filling me with strength. And when I get up from praying, I'm more willing than I am weak. And when I start feeling more weak than willing, I start praying. I start praying. I start praying. I need more prayer. I need more prayer. And the more I pray, the more I want to pray. And I got in the habit of praying, and next thing I know, I look up, I've been praying 20 minutes. I've never prayed 20 minutes before, but now I'm comfortable praying. I'm comfortable talking to God. I'm always praying. I'm thinking about God. I'm, 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 I'm driving down the road, and I just, th- thank you, God, for today. That was a quick conversation, but I just wanted to say thanks, God, for today. Like we're, just, we're just talking to God. We're talking to God because we're weaker than we think we are. But prayer is the answer to weakness. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. It's not something we check off. It's something that we run to do, to prioritize to do, because we're weaker than we think we are. But the more we pray, the more willing we are to do and to be and to feel what God wants us to do and to be and to feel. Does that make sense to everybody? So we learn today from Jesus that we are willing and we are weaker than we think we are, but guess what? Prayer helps more than we think it does. It does. And so my my desire, my hope for you is that you would be a praying person. 
that you would take the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to get along and to talk out loud to God and to, and to be honest about how you feel and to ask Him for help and to just get in the habit of being a praying person. And every time you do, you're just filled up with strength. And then life just takes the strength out of you and you go back to God and you get filled up with more strength. And you don't give in. Because if you don't pray, you're going to give in. But Jesus said, pray, pray. So you won't give in. Prayer is the answer to weakness. Let's be praying, people. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus left heaven and came here and died. And now I get to talk to you. The God that created the world gives me the chance to talk to you anytime I want because of Jesus. So thank you for Jesus. Thank you for relationship. God, I pray for every person in the room that we would drop our preconceptions about prayer and drop our bad habits and our ritual, religious rituals that are keeping us from having honest conversation with you. God, I pray that today we would embrace prayer because we need your strength. Help us, God. Help us to enjoy prayer with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.